first Bible reading is from Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 to 13, found on page 68 in our church Bibles. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to be for you the first month, the first month of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people there are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over the fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs and internal organs. Do not leave any of it till the morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it. With your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals. And I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. The Gospel reading is from John, chapter 1, verses 35 to 41. And this can be found on page 1064 in the Church Bibles. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Morning, everybody. 
Let's pray. Nothing can for sin atone, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nought of good that I have done, nothing but the blood of Jesus. O precious is the flow that makes me white as snow, no other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Lord, as we look at Exodus this morning, and as we later come to your table, help us to remember that and just speak to us from your word this morning. Amen. To recap back to Pads' talk two weeks ago when we were last in Exodus, um, the Egyptian uh, Emperor Pharaoh was having a really bad time. A revolutionary had come back from exile out in the desert abroad to stir up the hundreds of thousands of guest workers who were farming and building the empire's great projects. Pharaoh couldn't understand why they didn't like the forced labor that he put on them or that their male babies had been drowned in the Nile at birth by Egyptian soldiers. The god of the guest workers, who, who, and the guest workers are all descendants of Abraham, has not been pleased that Pharaoh wouldn't let them leave the country. First, the god caused national problems that were just temporary, but nobody was really injured or permanently disabled by what happened. The, the, the frogs went back, the blood disappeared from the river, everything seemed to be okay. But then the wake-up calls from this god started getting really serious. An unprecedented hailstorm at the very worst moment of the year caused enormous damage to the um, harvest and killed thousands of animals. Pharaoh was tempted for a while to give in and let the people go, but then he realized that his trademark huge projects would just take forever to complete without the guest workers. So maybe this was the worst that this puny god could possibly do, and things would be okay. So he took a gamble and trusted his own Egyptian gods to protect him and subjugate the children of Abraham. Just before the passage that was read, uh, there was a plague of three days of darkness that Pants referred to in his talk. Pharaoh nearly gave up his stubbornness, but held back. Moses told him in the previous chapter, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. All these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me and saying, Go, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. This final wake-up call was that many lives would be lost unless Pharaoh changed his mind. But he wouldn't budge. Sometimes the Lord may be trying to get our attention through wake-up calls in our lives and we need to respond to him if that's happening. So here in Exodus 12, we hear God speaking to the Israelites to prepare them for what would happen. First, we're going to look at what God tells Moses and the Israelites to do. 
Then we'll look at why God told them to do it. Then we'll look at how this applies to us today. Just have a quick drink of water. God tells the Israelites in verse 2 to reset their whole calendar, making the Passover the new Jewish New Year. This is an absolutely huge thing to do. I mean, just as we've had a break in the world calendar between B.C. and A.D. when Jesus came, for the Jews back in the Passover time, they were told to reset whatever month they were in at that point to be month number one. That was to be their new New Year. The Jews are happened to also have another New Year, which is in the seventh month that they still celebrate. So they have two New Years, but this one was... Uh, a new year for them, uh, and God wanted them to always remember this time by knowing this was the beginning of the, the new year. Um, this event was so important that the whole calendar needed to be redefined. What is going to happen was really big. He then told them to take one goat or lamb per family. If there's too much for your, for your family, then share it with another. Look after the animals for four days and then slaughter them at twilight. Use the lamb's blood to mark the sides and the top of the door frames in the house where the people eat the Passover. Eat the whole roasted lamb with bread and with herbs. Eat it that night dressed, ready to go. It was to be your last, the last meal before setting off. Burn any leftovers and wait for the signal to go. Why is God saying all this? What's it all about? Well, as well as giving Pharaoh a chance to change, the Lord God uses this last challenge to speak to the Israelites themselves. Not only was he speaking to Pharaoh and trying to get him to move, but God wanted his own people to learn a lesson at the same time. Like some other times when the Jewish people were threatened in the Bible, Rather than uh, taking up sword and shield, God asked them to wait with their focus on him rather than on the aggressor. Some of those occasions in the Old Testament were the people were expected to wait and praise God whilst an army was massing against them. And he turned that then into victory in a very surprising way. Other times, other unsuspecting, unexpected things happened like water flowing out of a desert when there had been no water, and that led to victory. So what do these instructions here in the Passover mean? What's all the point of this? He shows that the lamb is a substitute for their own firstborn. The lamb dies in the place of their child. In the following chapter of Exodus, this is expanded. Chapter 13 explains how all future firstborn children of Israel and the firstborn farm animals are to be redeemed, to be bought back, to be spared by sacrifice. Through the Passover meal, God also benefits the people very practically. They're about to go on a journey at night and they have basically hot roast lamb sandwiches before they go. Uh, You know, what more filling meal can you think of than a load of meat and bread? Uh, maybe with a few herbs sprinkled on the top. It's very practical. 
by asking them to roast a lamb over the fire and to mark their homes with its blood, it reminds them of the significance of um, blood in sacrifice. And this picks up a theme that's in the Bible right from Cain and Abel at the very beginning of Genesis, goes all the way through Abraham and the patriarchs to this point where uh, animals were, were killed as an offering to God. Because it is the ultimate sacrifice, the shedding of blood is key for forgiveness. This theme becomes lots more detailed later in Exodus and in the following book, Leviticus. Sometimes we struggle with the idea of animals uh, being killed in this way. But in the case of the Passover and the sacrificial system, much of the meat was eaten. And uh, what you would have noticed, rather than animals being killed particularly, was that all of this meat was being roasted over a fire. So basically, just an incredible barbecue-type smell emanating and and rising up from the whole thing, which is very much the way Southgate seems when you walk around here on a summer Saturday or Sunday. Does any of this have any relevance after Jesus' coming? In the passage that was read from John, John the Baptist calls Jesus the Lamb of God. Earlier in John 1, Jesus is called the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And in 1 Corinthians 5, 7, Paul is explicit in linking Jesus to the Passover. He says, for Christ, our Passover Lamb has been sacrificed. Paul explains Jesus' role on the cross in our forgiveness in Romans 3. He says that God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through shedding of blood to be received by faith. And Peter also makes this clear. In 1 Peter 1.18, he says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver and gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. And in the last book of the Bible, Revelation, Jesus is called the Lamb who is slain. Uh, He's referred to as the Lamb 30 times in Revelation. Some of the references are to his self-sacrifice. Others are to him as a judge and the um, Lord of all. So it's clear that Jesus is now taking the place of the Passover lamb, not just for one year, but forever, not just for the Israelites, but for all people. The Lord is asking us to respond to his sacrifice. It's a wonderful sacrifice, a perfect offering of a sinless life, that can cover every one of our sins and even our sinful nature itself. By substituting himself for us, he can set us free. Firstly, we need to have our calendar reset. If you've never banked on Jesus to save you from the things you can never escape from, then do it now. Then you will start day one of a new life. This is what Jesus meant by being born again or born a second time, becoming a child of God. In John 1, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, 
To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You can become a child of God today by receiving him, if you haven't already. If Jesus' blood is covering your life like the Passover blood marked the doorframe, then rely on him today to protect you. Protection from your past, uh, protection from the evil one, and protection from temptation. He can protect you from snares you can't even see. There is a spiritual war going on around us, and we need to know that protection. Like the Israelites on Passover night, be ready to go. In Matthew 28, Jesus commands us to take his message in ever-increasing circles of influence. That might mean to your neighbours, work colleagues, people at the gym, or in the pub. Shortly, we're going to remember Jesus' last meal with his disciples the day before Passover. Let's remember how, after that Passover meal, Jesus knew that the next day he would be killed as the Passover lamb. And not only would he die, but in the process he would carry all the sin of the whole world and be cut off from his heavenly Father to experience unknowable spiritual pain. As we do that, let's remember Paul's words from Romans 12. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Let's give back our lives to him in gratitude for his sacrifice. Amen.